0: Second Timothy 1, I want to say glad to see all of you all here. Thank God again for our guests that are here. We appreciate you being here with us. And uh, again, thank you to all those who may be watching us online from all over the city and all around the world watching us. Amen? Now, y'all don't believe that. <laughs> there are people watching us from all over the world, trust me. We have the stats to show it. <laughs> so it's, it's more than what you see. Amen? thank God for the technology he's given to provide for us to do that. All right. Are you in 2 Timothy chapter 1? Okay. Let's read verses 1 through 7. Got it? All right. Ready? Read. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ. That's powerful right there. Verse 2. To Timothy, a beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, And I am persuaded, is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Father God, thank you for the word tonight that we're about to receive. I thank you that every ear is a hearing ear, every eye is a seeing eye, and every heart is a receiving heart. These are all gifts from you. So we thank you that your word will come into our hearts and do what you sent it to do this night. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, take your seats. Tonight, we're talking again on this subject generational faith. Generational faith. This is part two of this message here. We looked at verse five again, was kind of our focus that we're trying to get to, where Paul says to Timothy, When I call to remembrance the genuine. Or as King James puts it, the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. Your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul speaks tonight, or in this verse here, to generational faith. How many you ever heard of gener- generational wealth? We, we like to call it old money. It's money that's passed down generation to generation. Do you know that they, they have said, this is just a side note to what I'm talking about that just came up when I talked about generational wealth, that right now, uh, we're in the time of the largest wealth transfer in human history. This is this not, I'm not talking about what people prophesy. I'm talking about what the world is saying. The world is saying right now, just financially, if you look at what's happening with particular age groups that are passing off or dying off, we're actually at a time of the largest wealth transfer in human history. That's generational wealth. It's wealth that's passed down from generation to generation to generation. Wealth that has built over time. Now the Bible says, in Proverbs 13, 22, that the wealth of the wicked Is laid up, stored up for the just, for the righteous. So uh, some of that transfer, if we are in position, uh, we're right in line for it. Amen? I'm not talking about whether you have a rich granddaddy and a rich great-granddaddy. You have a rich father. Father God that we serve is rich. Richer than all of them put together. He said in the book, book of Haggai, he said, all the silver is mine all the gold it's is mine. mine you hear me all right now that's just a side note so if there's generational wealth we know there's generational faith one thing we've I've heard people talk about is generational curses how many of y'all ever heard that phrase generational curses well uh I don't I don't know that we're under generational curses anymore I think there's generational stupidity generational tendencies where people copy actions. They've been trained a certain way. So they've been trained in behaviors, and because of those behaviors, there are outcomes that are predictable. Amen. Praise the Lord. But our subject tonight is on generational faith, so I'm trying to get back on point. All right? So I slap my own self again it said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 this is a scripture that most people in the church know for God has not given us the spirit King James says I like that way it says the spirit of fear but of power and love and of a sound mind so I told you this on Sunday that fear which is not from God obviously right fear doesn't come from God it's just God didn't give us that so fear when you tolerate fear it opens the door to the spirit of fear you got that right So just like I talked to you about, you know, um, if you let sadness linger or grief linger, you open yourself up to the spirit of heaviness, okay? That's why you got to get over stuff real quick. You know, people tell you, well, you know, it takes time if you make it take time. But all the time, the more time you take, the more time you give the spirit of heaviness to enter in and begin to control you. Praise the Lord. That's why I've heard heard Pastor Kim say this with many people, uh, several people here in the church, and I repeat it, that when someone passes away in your family, you deal with a loss. Hey, don't deal with it in your soul. Deal with it in your spirit. Because your soul will take you someplace that you don't want to go and hold you there a lot longer than you ever planned on staying. So you got to learn how to react and respond from from your spirit. We are spirits. We have a soul. And you got to know how to, according to Luke, possess your soul. I got it? So we can't let the spirit of heaviness get in. I talked about another one on Sunday. If If you tolerate sickness, you tolerate sickness, then you allow room now for the spirit of infirmity to get in there and to dominate your life. That woman in Luke 13, we remember her? The Bible says she was bowed over. Uh, 18 years she was, she was bound by Satan 18 years which means something that happened she had gotten there and had, had something at first just a little sickness but uh, she tolerated it a little too long she was going to church but she must have been going to a synagogue that said well just you know just bear it up God will give you grace just to bear it up we got a, we got a sickness coping uh, ministry Y'all ain't saying much. We got to teach you how to cope with your sickness. They got ministers about teaching people how to cope with cancer and cope with all that kind of stuff. You're not supposed to cope with stuff. You're not supposed to cope with stuff. No, you got to put that thing out of there. Okay? Y'all not saying much to me, I understand. But if you don't, you make way for the spirit of infirmity. And the Bible says that woman in Luke 13, she could in no way raise herself up. Why? She was being now dominated and controlled by the spirit of infirmity. You got it? So the same thing I explained to you Sunday was, if you tolerate fear, people say uh, uh, little fear is healthy. If you tolerate fear, if you have your, all your little phobias, You, you let your little phobia, and they got all these little phobia, Facebook phobia groups, you know. You join these clubs. I'm, I, have, I'm a, I, I got these certain phobias. Okay, and you play around with that. What you're playing around with is fear. And when you play around with it, you leave the door open for the spirit of fear to come in. And when the spirit of fear comes in, he's coming in to take over. He's coming in to, t- to take control. And we can't let that happen to us. Amen? Amen. That's not me, though. Say that's, that's not me. Now, I told you this on Sunday. When the spirit of fear is at work in people, they are no longer in control. That's what we see happening all, all, all over America right now. The spirit of fear is in control. It's not just fear. The spirit of fear is controlling people. It allows them to go here, but they can't go there. It allows them to do this, but they can't do that. Things that just don't, don't make any sense but it's the spirit of fear that's controlling them. You got it? Now, if we look at Isaiah 54, verse 14, you know the term that they can put on the screen, just write it down. Isaiah 54, verse 14 says, In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression. Now, oppression is, uh, let me give you a definition of it, just my definition, controlling pressure. Oppression is controlling pressure. It's, it's when the enemy comes in and puts pressure on you to control you, oppress. We've seen people, whole races of people, whole nations of people, whole, whole groups of people that have been oppressed. Right now, the poor are being oppressed. God, God said about the children of Israel when they were in Egypt, he told, he told uh, um, uh, uh, Moses, he said, I've seen the oppression of my people. And we know that Pharaoh was putting controlling pressure on them. You got it? So, but the Bible says you shall be far from oppression. How are you going to be far from oppression? For you shall not fear. So if you fear, you open the door to controlling pressure. To the spirit of fear. Y'all understand this here? All right? And from terror, for it shall not come near you. So you shall be far from terror, for it shall not come near you. Far from terror. What do terrorists do? Terrorists don't just scare you. Terrorists seek to control you. Remember 2001? September 11, 2001? Some of y'all old enough to remember that. Everybody pretty much angels should be old enough to remember September 11, 2001, right? You remember where you were? when you heard the news of what was going on in America. And terrorists did that. But their act is still controlling America. The act has been 19 years ago? Going on 20 years? But the act is still because the terror controls That's why you go, you want to fly on an airplane? Now you got to take your shoes off. You got to take your belt off. You can't carry any large bottle of lotion. You know you need lotion. You can't carry a big bottle of lotion. (laughs) Three and a half ounces of lotion ain't going to make it through a whole week of vacation. You know. It won't. It shouldn't. That you just lose to all the visible parts. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I just want to make sure we're understanding that that fear terrorizes, and fear will control you. Now, if you're in Isaiah fifty-four, if you were to go back to one verse, verse thirteen, says, "All your children shall be taught by the Lord." think King James says of the Lord, but it's better translated actually here, by the Lord, which means the Lord will teach your children. And great, great shall be the peace, shalom, prosperity, undisturbed composure, safety, happiness of your children. So I fully expect my children to live in peace, to live in prosperity, to live in safety, to live in total health, because my children are being taught by the Lord. Now I think if you read in the amplified, it might say something like all your spiritual children. Does that anybody have amplified? You do, does this, does it say that? All your spiritual children? Somebody say yeah? Yeah, your spiritual children shall be taught of the Lord. So, amen. You're being taught of the Lord. Now let me ask a question to you. When the Lord, if the Lord teaches you and your children. Do you think he's teaching fear? No. No. When the Lord teaches, he's teaching faith, more faith, and even more faith. So all he ever taught is faith. Jesus Christ was our example. When he came, all he taught was faith, 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 faith. That's why after he finished teaching and got on a boat with the disciples, and he went to sleep, and a storm hit the boat, and they start freaking out, he said, where is your faith? Why? Because I've been teaching you faith for the last three days, guys. So the Lord teaches you, he's going to teach you faith. So it says, my children shall be taught the Lord, or my children shall be taught faith. Y'all, this is just, that's funny, but it's true. See, because I want, I want to make sure you realize that the most important foundation you can lay for your children is faith. Four times your Bible says the just shall live, not by algebra. Algebra is wonderful. Trigonometry is wonderful. Biology, chemistry, uh, anatomy, physiology is wonderful. Social studies, learning American government, learning the Constitution, that's wonderful. We praise God for that. But what they need more than all of that is faith because the just shall live by faith. You got it? Habakkuk says so. Romans says so. Galatians says so. Hebrews says so. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. So I need a foundation of faith. You got it? Now I'm talking about tonight, again, generational faith. Generational faith. Now, so every generation must build on or or establish a foundation of faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? That's important. Every generation must either establish or build upon a foundation of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm glad the teens are out tonight. They're over in there because we can just talk. <laughs> we can talk. Now go to 2 Timothy, please, chapter 1. <clears> 2 <throat> Timothy, chapter 1. And we, looked, we started at verse, well, just for the sake of time here, I'm looking at verse 3. Dealt with this Sunday where Paul says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. So Paul said, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. So Paul served or serves God as his forefathers did. So that means he had to have seen or know about, learned about how his forefathers served God. And he said, I serve God the same way. Glory to God. Now, I gave you this scripture here on Sunday. I'm just, this is just review here, so I'm moving fast with this part here. Proverbs 22, verse 28, which says, Do not remove the ancient landmark, come on, which your fathers have set. So there are landmarks. Now, what is a landmark? What is a landmark? Simply, simply defined is a point of reference. If you are out on a boat, uh, I like to go out on a boat whenever I get an opportunity, which is rare. Uh, very, very, extremely rare. But if, I, if I'm on a boat, you know, you get on a boat, there's no lanes. There's no lights. There's no overhead signs telling you this is the highway or the exit or the entrance. There's nothing. There's, there's no stop signs. There's nothing. There's no intersection. There's nothing. You're on the water. And, you know, if you're not going to live out there, you want to get back to land. So to make sure you know where you are, you get out there in the middle of, of uh, the bay. Now, if you go out on Lake Megory, it's not hard. But if you get out there in the middle of the bay, or you get out there in the Gulf of Mexico, or you get out there on the Atlantic Ocean, my wife and I, we were, we were in the Marshall Islands with uh, the Apostle Derber and Mama Berta. We were in the Marshall Islands in the Pacific Ocean, in a little old boat. It was a little, it was a little, ooh, a little, little old boat with, with a seat that wasn't bolted down. Remember the seat? The seat. This wood bench that wasn't bowling out, you just... Oh, my goodness. At night. And there's no street lights on on the ocean. That's the blackness of night. And thank God for the stars and the moon shining when it wasn't raining. (laughs) Now, as, as, as... as uh, leery as we were, our, the captain, the guy who's driving the boat, was just fine. He knew how to look towards landmarks. By the time we're 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 uh, uh, been there a few days, I've learned the landmarks. There's Little Buster Island, Remember Big Buster Island, and then we, there's Ebi. Okay, we're going we going between Quadlin. Uh, uh, Little Buster, because, you know, it kind of, it, it brought me, you know, peace. <laughs> okay, with Little Buster, Big Buster, J. Then going back at night, Big Buster, Little Buster, Quadrant. And when we got near Quadrant and you saw those landmarks, we, we could see those, where those ships and everything were out there. <laughs> Praise God. So a landmark is a point of reference. A landmark doesn't move. It's set. So no matter where you are, you can look back. No matter how far you've drifted, you can look back to that landmark and know where you are. Know how close you are or how far you are off course. So the Bible says, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Why? If you move the ancient landmarks that your fathers have set, there'll be no point of reference. And that's what the enemy has done. And and, and in fact, he's coerced the church into doing a lot of that ourselves, that we've removed ancient landmarks. And he knows that if we do that, now we don't have a point of reference to go back to. In fact... Give me that same verse, please, in the Passion Translation, in the the Proverbs 22, 28, in the Passion Translation. It says, the previous generation, the previous generation, the previous generation has set boundaries in place. See, and everybody wants to get rid of what the previous generation did. This is not your granddaddy's church no more. This is not your father's church no more. We're, we're the new church. We're the contemporary church. Well, the previous generation has set boundaries in place. Don't you dare move them just to benefit yourself. Generational faith. Generational faith. There are things that the previous generation set in place by God to give us a compass in fact, if you, have a, uh, if you were to have a Passion Bible, you see this in the notes section. What's what I love about the Passion Bible. It says this, this verse, it refers to moving property lines of your neighbors to take more land, or it can mean moving landmarks and memorials placed there by ancestors. Here's the part I want you to see especially. It also speaks to the moral boundaries that the previous generation modeled. Yeah. They are to be upheld. So there are some moral boundaries, ladies and gentlemen, that the previous generation modeled. It didn't say they set them. They modeled them. God set them. Y'all didn't say anything. God set the boundaries. The previous generations modeled them. Here's what God said. We can only go here. We can't go past this mark. This is, the, this is as far as God will let us go. If, if we do something outside of that, we're trespassing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, what a, that's what sin is. It's a trespass. It's to go beyond the mark, to go beyond the boundary. So he said these moral boundaries that uh, our ancestors set in place, he says that uh, they are to be upheld. So we don't remove them. You got it? So I'm going back here to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Again, verse 3, Paul said, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. So don't throw out all the things that our forefathers set up. Well, this is a new generation. Times have changed. You know, I I bet if I get a Bible from 1901 and a Bible from 2001, they're going to look the same. This is going to be the same words I bet if we were to go back and get a manuscript from what they found the scrolls they're going to translate the same way Why? because his word is forever settled in heaven so these boundaries were not set by men these boundaries were set by God they were modeled by men everybody wants us to throw this stuff out but we're not throwing this stuff out Y'all got it? Okay, now, let me keep going here. So I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, but he also mentioned I dealt with this on Sunday. I didn't mean to deal with it in depth as we did, but about a pure conscience. A pure conscience. How many think, uh, thank God for a pure conscience? That pure conscience, we, I, I told you, is righteousness. It's your right standing with God. When you have right standing with God, you have a pure conscience. If you if you're, uh, have a, rea- a righteousness realization, a righteousness revelation, then no matter where you came from, what you ever did before, you know you're now in right standing with God because you've been forgiven, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. All that junk is water under the bridge, as they say. You got it? Glory to God. I mean, our sins are in the sea of forgetfulness, right? God says, your sins, I will remember them no more, amen? Well, I sinned yesterday. Go back and get it right. The key to walking and standing upright is if you do sin, repent immediately. Tell your neighbor, immediately. In other words, don't linger in it, don't lay around in it, don't waddle in it, just repent immediately. Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, forgive me for that. I confess my sins to you, 1 John 1, 9. You are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. All right? Now, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. Let me read verse 4. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, this is uh, Timothy's tears, that I may be filled with joy. I desire to see you, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance, the genuine faith... That is in you. So genuine faith, he said, is in Timothy. Yes. This, this is Paul's beloved son here. Yes. He said, I, "I recognize genuine, or as the King James says, unfeigned faith." That word, genuine, on apokritos, on actually, which means unfeigned, un-disguised. undisguised. So you got to have undisguised faith. Undisguised faith. Undisguised. Disguise is meant to deceive people. A disguise is meant to cover stuff. Glory to God. disguise is meant maybe to, to uh, fool and to hide. No, I don't. I don't hide my faith. Undisguised, sincere. In other words, without dissimulation or hypocrisy. So we can't have um, hypocrisy in our faith. Hypocrite faith. Remember Jesus talked to that hypocrite tree? Mark 11. (laughs) That tree was, had the leaves on it like it had fruit. That fig tree, remember that? And he got there and it didn't have any figs on it. It was a hypocrite tree. He cursed it. And it withered to the root. Okay? So our faith cannot be hypocritical faith. Okay? So Paul said, I recognize or I'm, I, I, I see in you <clears throat> this genuine faith, and he said, here's what I want you to see, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Now this is, this is, this is important here. He said this faith that I see in you, I'm able to trace it all the way back To your grandmother. Now he said, he didn't say this faith that was uh, dwelt in your grandmother and your mother. He said dwelt first in your grandmother. That means somebody, that means this grandmother, Lois, was a first generation faith person. Yeah, you, a, you know, people, people, they get so proud because I'm the first one in my family to graduate. I'm, I'm a first-generation American, you know, a first-generation, you know, immigrant or whatever. Lois is a first-generation woman of faith. I mean, she didn't get this from her parents. Now, if, if I understand this correctly, it says first in your grandmother. He didn't say it was also. He said it was first in her. So it didn't matter that, that Lois's mama or dad didn't get it, didn't have it. Now some of y'all, you're in here and nobody in your family has ever walked by faith. Some of you, you're in here and you're the only one in your bloodline that you know that's saved and serving God. It doesn't matter. It's got to start with somebody. And once it starts, it's your job to perpetuate it, to pass it to the next generation. You're responsible for it. In other words, it's never God's intention for you to get saved and not your whole household. You shall be saved and your whole household. When Cornelius heard the word of God. In Acts 10, Cornelius didn't say, hey, y'all family, y'all just go out to eat somewhere. I'm just going to hear Peter by myself and hear the word of God. No, he said, everybody, all my children, all the servants, all my employees, everybody come. Hear this word. We're going to hear this word here, and we're going to all respond to what he said. So when Cornelius heard the word and his whole household, they were all saved and they were all baptized. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 16, you get over there where Paul and Silas, they're in jail and they begin to pray and praise God all night long. Well, not all night long, it didn't take all night long. The Bible says at midnight, they're all of a sudden here they are singing and praising God and praying and all of a sudden an earthquake comes, rattles that whole prison, opens a door and the, the jailer comes in, finds them still in there. He's gonna kill himself, but they say, no, don't do it, we're still here. He, he brings them out and cleans them up and the Bible says, he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, he didn't want to get just himself saved. The Bible says that Philippian jailer, him and his whole household. God means for you and your entire household to be saved. God is not a one generation faith God. He's not a one-generation salvation God. He wants you and your household. He wants you and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children and your children's 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 children to be saved. The Bible says that God keeps covenant and mercy to a thousand generations. He keeps covenant with those who serve him to a thousand generations. Why would God put in there to a thousand generations? Because he wants you to keep going. (laughs) He wants your bloodline. Everybody in your bloodline. He wants, when they look at your family tree, boy, it's full of faith giants. Full of people walking, living, talking, breathing faith. Doing great exploits for the kingdom of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So he says, this dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and he said, and your mother, Eunice. So grandmother, Lois, passed it to Eunice. And he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. Now, we're not told what... Lois did we're not told what Lois obtained by faith we're not told what Eunice overcame by faith we have no idea we don't know that they get healed of cancer we don't know they got you know got a house debt free we don't, we don't you know what I'm saying we don't know we don't know what exploits they did but whatever they did Paul said genuine faith he recognized there's something about Lois, big mama, and your mama, that they had genuine, unfa- unfamed faith, sincere. He said, those, in other words, those girls had real faith. Those, those, those ladies had real faith. Now, for him to point out genuine faith means he must have recognized there's some fake faith out there. Because if not, he would have just said faith. But he said, I saw genuine faith. How many of y'all know that there's some fake faith out there? He said, I see genuine faith in, in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. He said, and I'm persuaded it's in you also. And I want you to see something here. Because he, he, we don't know, he doesn't tell us what grandmama did and what mama did, but he said, it's in you also. Now, I can, I, I can surmise that it said it was in your grandmama. He didn't say his granddaddy. Now, how many of you know when you're, when you're born, you have two grandmothers and two grandfathers? Whether you met them, know them or not, you, you have two grandmothers and two grandfathers. So he is able to follow which side of the family Remember, he's talking about Timothy. The faith is in him. But he's able to trace his family, his faith family tree. You know, everybody doing Ancestry.com and 23andMe trying to find out where they came from. He's tracing his family lineage, faith. And he says, this started in your grandmother. He He didn't mention his other grandmama. I'll show you why in a minute. And he didn't mention his grandfather on his mama's side. Which meant grandmama was raising Eunice in the faith by herself. Now this might help some single mama right now. Grandmama, she walked in the faith. Granddaddy might have been down at the beer garden somewhere. I don't know where granddaddy was. But grandmama was pouring into Eunice, yeah. into Eunice yeah. faith. Yeah. Yes, she might have been, mm, you know, "No. Yeah. breaking the peas and yeah. Yeah. cutting potatoes, saying, doing something, but she was teaching that girl faith. Right. Right. Yes, she was articulating faith yeah. and demonstrating faith. Yeah. She was talking it and she was walking it. And apparently it was so strong, such a good job of training that it passed from grandmama down to mama. Now, this this needs to encourage somebody. You may not have daddy, big daddy around, but if you will walk and talk faith yourself, God will let that faith build up not only in you, but in your children and in your children's children so that they have a foundation to stand on and something to walk by when they're out here in this world. Grandma had it. Genuine faith. And then it says, and your mother Eunice. He said, your mother Eunice had it. Grandma passed it down to Eunice, your mama. Notice again on this generation, he doesn't mention Daddy. Now, you would think that dad is the one that's passing the faith down. Dad's the one doing it. No, no. It just said it, said it was in your grandmother and your mother. Now, again, like I told you, we're, we're not told what grandmama, what Lois and Eunice obtained, what grandma, what Lois and Eunice overcame, but we know that they got a good Testimony. Because somehow they were able to raise this boy, this boy, I said this boy, grandma and mama raised this boy to serve God. See, everybody thinks, well, he can't do it. He's going to be another, another uh, statistic. He's going to go to jail and he's going to be strung out on drugs. No, he don't have to be. Not if grandmama and mama will walk by faith, live by faith, demonstrate faith. You and teach your son and your daughter to serve God. What And he's telling us that what was in Timothy is because of what was in Lois and what was in Eunice. Timothy didn't learn it on his own. He learned it from his mama. She got it from from her mama. It is your responsibility to pass faith to the next generation. I know you want them to get a good education, but the best education you can give your children is how to walk by faith, how to live by faith, how to know, how to love and serve the Lord. Who cares about getting them getting a dog on degree somewhere and they don't know how to serve God? Come on, come on. They're going to be an educated failure. Educated failure. You That's all they're going to be is educated failure if they don't know how to serve God. Come on. Timothy grew up serving God despite having an unsaved father. Now, in Acts 16, don't lose Second Timothy. Hold on, to, go to Acts 16 though, because Timothy had a saved mama who walked and lived faith. A saved grandma who walked and lived faith. But no mention there of his dad. Now we're not told that his dad was uh, an absentee father. It doesn't mention him being an absentee absentee father. But the reality of it is that if his father wasn't saved, if his father wasn't walking and living and demonstrating faith, he might as well been. (laughs) Y'all not saying a thing. In terms of living by faith and serving God, he might as well been absentee. Oh, man. Oh, I wish I could get some child support for my baby oh, daddy. You give them some God support. Teach them how to walk and live by faith, which means you don't sit at home crying about oh, I understand you need help. I understand, but God can help you, and your children need to see you getting on your face, getting in your closet, and praying to God, and watching God. Open doors for you, make ways for you, and you say, ha, "Mom, oh, Daddy did this." No, our Father in Heaven did this for us. You heard from Daddy? No, I ain't heard from Daddy, but Father God. No, I I I, I dream that every father would be involved. I, I want that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not belittling fatherhood. I trust me. I'm a father. I want every father to be involved. But what I'm saying is that Timothy wasn't raised by a saved daddy. In Acts 16, are you there? Yes, Verse uh, 1, I think it is. says, then he came, Timothy came, I'm sorry, Paul, came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, Timothy the son of a certain Jewish woman. That's Lois, Eunice rather, who believed, but his father, but, 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 his father was a Greek. A woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. That's, that's, That's the implication. A woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. Which means that his father, we don't even get his name. His father wasn't even saved. All we know about him was he was a Greek. He's a Gentile. He's a heathen. We hoping he at least came home on the weekends. We don't even know. We don't know, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter to how Timothy turned out. Now, please, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to tell you that that... Having fathers and husbands doesn't matter. I'm not telling you that. What I'm saying is, it didn't stop Timothy from serving God. Because he has such a strong example of faith in his grandmother and his mother that he still turned out to be an apostle. Yes. Timothy was an apostle. That's right. That's right. Yes, he yes, he was. Timothy was a junior apostle. Yes, he was. Under Paul, a senior apostle. Timothy was given the instruction to appoint pastors. So t- people people like to teach Timothy was a pastor. He wasn't a pastor. He's an apostle. He was he was appointing pastors <laughs> from the faith that was in his grandmama and his mama. Are you there? Look at verse two, Acts sixteen. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Well spoken of. He got a good reputation. From a faith mama and a grandmama. Daddy is a heathen. <laughs> Verse three, Paul wanted to have him go on, go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew, everybody knew his daddy was a heathen. Everybody knew about his Daddy. Everybody knew about his daddy. There's a daddy. I don't know what Junebug is, but Eunice and Lois. Are y'all hearing this tonight? So, he, Timothy was raised to serve God, despite an unsaved father. Okay? Now, We know Proverbs 22, verse 26, I'm sorry, Proverbs 22, verse 6, about training up a child, the ways you go. So when a generation is trained in genuine faith, they won't depart from it. Lois trained Eunice in the faith. Eunice trained Timothy in faith. You got it? So you can't remove the ancient landmarks. So here they are, three generations, serving God. Okay? Now, let's go to Hebrews 11. I'm going to show you something here. Hallelujah. Oh, this is so important, ladies and gentlemen. This is so important. Children right now, they're being offered all kind of, kind of, all kind of religious stuff all kind of spiritual things that are being pushed over as spiritual, pushed over as this is, you know, they're being woke. Y'all ain't saying anything they to me. If you're not talking to your children, doesn't Deuteronomy 6 tell us about loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, of our mind, of our strength, and talk about sitting down and teaching your children this? when they sit down, when they rise up, when they go out, when they come in all the time talking to your children about serving the Lord? Till they, till they get tired of it. Now y'all ain't saying much to me, but I'm, just ta- I'm asking you, isn't that what your Bible says? So in other words, the expectation from the Lord is is that we perpetuate loving God. And perpetuate, um, uh, it says the Lord our God is one. One Lord. Perpetuate a monotheistic way of serving. Yes. Now what does that mean, Pastor? Perpetuate one God. Not many gods. Not many ways to get to God. Not many many avenues and all kind of where you can have this religion and that religion and all everything coexists and everything kind of mesh together and merged together and you know you can dabble in this and dibble in that and have a little of this and have a little of that. See, if you leave your children to themselves, especially if they're in public school and public education and listening to music and watching MTV and VH1 and, and BET and all the foolishness and Instagram and Facebook and they're listening to that stuff, they're being inundated with all kind of. Uh, uh, a matter of fact, I, I, I told them I, I, I might teach a message here soon called A Very Superstitious. Somebody remember Stevie Wonder had a song, Very Superstitious. Well, he didn't make that up. In Acts 17, when Paul arrived on the scene, he said, I perceive by all your gods, all your little idols, that you are very superstitious. Your new King James used the word religious. In other words, religion is superstition. And kids are out here today with all kinds of superstitions. They're doing all kinds of things out here in the name of being spiritual because there's not been a foundation planted in them of monotheism. One God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. that there's only one. The Lord our God is one and you shall love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So they get inundated with energy, and yoga, and bowls, and rocks, and beads, and straws, and to be spiritual. See, now, was that around when Timothy was around? Yes! All that was around when Lois was around. All that was around when Eunice was around. but they raised, and, 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 and Timothy's daddy was a heathen, was a Greek, and the Bible says Jews look for a sign, Greeks look, look for, for wisdom. They look for all kind of philosophy. So his daddy had all that kind of uh, mythology. His daddy was a Greek. His daddy was, was a stepper. His, you know what I'm saying? His daddy was a, was, had, was a, was a fraternal brother. You know what I'm saying? His daddy, his daddy had all that stuff in him. But apparently his mother and grandmother... Their influence in faith was so strong that he he saw. See, which means that with all daddy's philosophy, with all daddy's uh, Socrates, with all daddy's stuff he was listening to, uh, I saw something in mama, and I saw something in daddy, in, in grandma. Because faith should not just be articulated. Faith must be demonstrated. Faith must be demonstrated. Our children must see faith. You can see faith? Yes. There are men in the book of Luke, other places too. But the house was all filled. Jesus was teaching in the house. And these men had, four men had a friend who was paralyzed, whole body paralyzed. The Bible says they climbed up on top of the house and began to tear the roof off the house. And they lowered their friend down right there in front of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he spoke and told the man to rise up and walk. See, you can see faith. One day, Paul is preaching. He's preaching. And he sees a man, while he's preaching, he says, the Bible says Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. You can see faith. How do you see faith? Something starts happening. They, just, they start moving. Really, if, if you, if, when you start operating in the spiritual gifts and you get to a place where you're doing prayer lines and you're doing healing meetings, you know one thing you're looking for? Looking for faith. You're going to scan through the whole line. Everybody, come on, gather up here. You're looking for that somebody who's, they, they you see because you can see faith. Y'all ain't sinners. Yeah. You can see faith, faith. You see faith by people's actions. They start moving. I've learned. I don't. I don't give you much much credence when they just talk in faith. Till I see something. If you don't know action, I don't. I don't really give much credence to you. See, faith without works is dead. If you're not doing anything, you ain't. You you just talking. You just blowing wind. So you see it. So so Timothy must have seen this faith in his mom and his grandma. Y'all see this here? I told y'all i go to Hebrews, right? Hebrews 11, verse 17. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up who? Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. How many of y'all remember that story? Back in Genesis 22, where Abraham took Isaac up on that mountain and he's gonna slay him because God said, Go slay your son, your only son. So he's gonna slay his only son, and Abraham goes all the way, he takes it to the door. I mean, he, he binds him up, gets a knife, getting ready to slay his son, and then he says, Ho, 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 ho. And you got here's Isaac. He's tied up, and he looking at this. Woo. Y'all got to see this. Isaac is not some three year old, six year old, ten year old little boy. Isaac is a young man at this time. He submits to his father, tying him up, laying him down. Isaac's watching this. Isaac's the one to ask, Father. I see the lamb. I mean, I, I see, I see, see the fire. I see the wood. But where's the sacrifice? And he heard his father say, God will provide himself. He heard that. He heard that. Now, that's faith articulated. But he got to see faith demonstrated. So while he's tied down, he's looking. And he sees his father rare back with that knife ready. And all of a sudden, before he does it, the angel said, hold on. So he's now watched faith demonstrated. And he hears the voice. says, look over there in the bush. There's that ram. So now, 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 Isaac's heart starts, stops beating so fast. And he looks over. Oh, my God. Look what God did. My daddy said God's going to provide a lamb. And there's a the lamb. So Isaac watched faith demonstrated. So then, verse 20. Verse 20, because Isaac heard faith articulated and Isaac watched faith demonstrated. Verse 20, by faith, I'm talking about generational faith here. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. What? Because he's growing up on faith. Isaac, I'm, I guarantee you, Isaac had heard the story from his mama. He sitting down, he's sitting down on his mama's lap. She's sitting there rocking him and holding him. And she, she said, baby, let me tell you, you know, when, when our mama had you, I was an old lady already. I was barren my whole life. I could never have a child. And here you are, my baby. God came and said, I'm going to have a baby. And Isaac's hearing that. You mean, mama, I'm a miracle? Mama, you mean you and daddy had to use faith? She said, yes, son. I finally judged God faithful and God gave me strength to conceive seed. That's how you got here, baby. Yeah, your name Isaac means laughter because God, I was laughing at God and God made me laugh. So Isaac has seen faith. So now when it's time for him to pass to the next generation. By faith, Isaac blessed that same blessing of Abraham. He blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He spoke about things to come because that's what he grew up on. He grew up hearing his dad and mom talk about things to come and that's how you got here. Glory to God. Now, now, So Isaac blessed Jacob, and he saw concerning things to come. Verse twenty-one: By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed. Now Jacob, Jacob learned it from his dad. Jacob walked in the manifestation of what Isaac spoke. Come on, Isaac. That's right. That's right. Isaac blessed Jacob concerning things to come. If you read in Genesis, I believe it's in 28, Genesis 28, it says when Isaac sent Jacob out, he sent him out with the blessing. In other words, he left the house with nothing. He didn't give a bunch of money. He didn't didn't, didn't give him anything. He said, I bless you. I put the blessing on you. So you got a a blessing and a stick. Take your little stick. Remember, because the Bible says that, that Jacob left with one stick. So he got the stick and the blessing. But God through Isaac, has spoken something over his life. By the time we get to verse 21, I, uh, Jacob is walking in the manifestation of what his father had spoken. Are you catching this? So Jacob already knows now what faith can do. So by faith then, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worship. So the same way his father yes. spoke by faith over him, he's now going to speak over his sons and the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh, right? And worship leaning on his staff. Verse 22? Come on, sir. Make the case. I'm making the case here. By faith Joseph. This is the next generation. When he was dying, he remembered what his daddy did. When my dad was dying, okay, when my dad was dying, he spoke by faith, and look how my sons turned out. He says, Now by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. What do you mean, made mention of the departure of Israel? How, how does he know that? Because he remembers all the way back from what he had heard from his grandfather. God had told his grandfather all the way back in Genesis 15 that your, your, your family, they're going to be down in Egypt for 400 years, but I'm going to bring them out with great substance. And that has been passed down to every generation. And every generation has done whatever they've done by faith. So now, now here it is. Joseph knows that when it's, it's I'm going to die, but at some point, y'all about to come out of here. He can calculate. He knows, okay, uh, they came down here, they're going to be down here by 400 years. Now, we already been down here for of years, okay? They're going to be down here by another 400 years, another 380 years, whatever. He knows, boom. We're going to come out of here because God said 400 years. God said. And from what I recall, from what I learned from great-granddaddy, granddaddy, and my daddy, whatever God said has always come to pass. So now when he speaks, he's speaking by faith of a departure. He made mention of the departure. Y'all ain't saying much to me. How can he speak so confidently about a departure, do Because he's watched generation to generation. God said something. God said it. It came to pass. I remember what God told my daddy and it came to pass. See when you see you have to testify. Listen to me parents. You must testify of the goodness of God. I wish I had more witnesses. You must testify of the goodness of God. Don't make your kids think you did everything. Don't even let them be fooled into believing that it's because of your good works and because you got a good job while they got those shoes. No, baby, it was the Lord that got them shoes for you. Well, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Baby, if it wasn't for the Lord on our side, we wouldn't have this house we're in. We wouldn't have this car we're in. We wouldn't have the clothes. Every time you pray, that's why, at least when you pray, bless your food, Father, we want to give you thanks. Don't sit there with, with no good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. Don't be giving a little pan and praying, no silly, silly prayer. No, take time. God, we just want to thank you for putting this food on our table. You've supplied all of our needs. Thank you, Lord, that sickness and disease are far from us. We walk in divine help. We walk in divine life. We bless you. We only, we give you praise for this. Every time your, your children hear that, they're remembering, oh, God put this on our table. Because, see, if you don't, they think it's because you got a check. Boy, y'all ain't saying nothing. That's right. That's exactly right, Pastor. That's why you got to eat together. Don't have them in their room and you down the hall. No, eat together and go over. We want to thank you, Lord, for this bounty you've given us tonight. That's what it means when you're going to sit down and teach them, when you're sitting down, when you're rising up, when you're laying down, when you're getting up, when you're going out, when you're coming in, writing it on your house. Write it on your house. I, I did that. I, I, I ended up paying, I got, I got the word all over the house. But I went, you know, I went just, just last year or earlier this year, I finally got it. I had, had a Rosalie up in Frankfurt do me a big old art, artwork. The Lord our God is one Lord. and You shall love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and strength. Huh? Yeah, you got to do it by faith. Yeah, because it wasn't, it ain't 50 cent to do that. Rosalie is a, is, a, is, a, is a renowned professional at calligraphy and artwork, and I, but I was that determined to have it in my, in my eyes and in my children's face. My kids would tell you when they were younger, I made them memorize that. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 6. Memorize it. Y'all quiet to me. Memorize it. Speak it. No, you don't have any options. See? Let See, that's why my my wife and I, we were looking at this. These people now are making this push to get uh, parents to not have rights over their own children. All the intellectuals of our world. Harvard is leading that. Harvard University. Everybody trying to get their child into Harvard University. They're leading this. They're they're, they're trying to get it to where it's determined that when a child is born, that child is actually the property of the state, and they must confer uh, parental rights on you. But the child actually belongs to the state. This is what they're trying to now push into America. That's the socialist agenda. And they want to kill all homeschooling because they say when you homeschool, then, then you, you, you suffocate children and you force them into a certain way of living and a certain way of thinking. That's right. I'm not going to expose them to your demonic system. Hear me, somebody online. I'm not going to expose them to your demonic system of you teaching God out of them. No, as far as we're concerned, there's only one God. And they don't get a choice as to what God they serve. They don't get a choice as to what gender they are. One, one, of, one of our well-known uh, black stars put out here last week that, if you, that you, if you don't let your children choose their own gender, you don't really love them. Mm-hmm. Let me know how that turns out for you. No, they can't choose their own gender. No, they can't choose their own gender. That's chosen by God and whatever he set is so. so if you can't choose your own you can't choose your own god you can't choose your own gender you can't choose your own church you can and you can't choose if you go or not y'all are like, I'm going to move on you feel like going to church tonight you feel like going to church tonight <laughs> you better feel like packing Better feel like paying your own rent somewhere if you <laughs> feel like going to church. All right, let me finish here. Let me finish. I'm I'm I'm, I'm past time already. Okay, let me go back here. <laughs> Second Timothy one five. When I call to remember is the genuine faith that is in you, which gen- which. Uh, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Verse six, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, given a spirit of fear, but a power of the sound mind. So now again, notice he says in verse five, genuine faith is that is in you. Then he says, first in your grandma, next in your mother, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Now, he says it's genuine faith. This is, um, uh, as I heard Dad mention it here, uh, existence faith. It's, this is I live by faith. This is your normal, common faith, everyday faith that you live by. Right? But then he says in verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you, not through hearing the word. We know there's a faith that comes by hearing, and hearing that comes by the word of God. But he says, this gift of God was in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, this is a gift that has been released to you. This is not just existence faith now. This now is exceeding faith. This is the faith by which you do, do exploits. Y'all got to get this. How many of y'all know there's a gift of faith? First Corinthians 12. There's a gift of faith. So there's a gift, there's a, there's a faith that was in him that was also in his mama, that was also in his grandmama. But this faith he talks about in verse 6, he didn't say that was in his grandma or in his mama. This is a different faith here. This is a gift of faith that was imparted to you or which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, who's the my talking here? Paul, who was Timothy's spiritual father. Catch it. So your natural mother taught you existing faith. Your grandmother, natural grandmother, taught you existing faith. Your natural father didn't teach you anything. But what God did was connect you with a spiritual father who could impart something in you that you could excel with. So he said, now I'm reminding you, he didn't say stir up your natural faith, your common faith. Stir up this gift of God that's been placed in you through the laying on of my hands. So when Paul laid hands on Timothy, he imparted a spiritual gift. You go back to look in Romans chapter 1 and Paul Paul told, told the church of Rome, he said, I long, I desire to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. So spiritual gifts can be imparted to you. That's why I'm so grateful. You see, I'm blessed that my natural father and my natural mother trained me in faith, existing faith. I watched them live by faith. I watched them talk faith. I'm a product of their faith. But God sent alone for me so I could go to another level. A spiritual father who by the laying on of hands could impart a spiritual gift into me to now walk in a different dimension of faith. That it didn't say Lois and Eunice walked in. Glory to God. So this here is now An exceeding faith. This is the faith to do exploits. This is the faith that Timothy would need as an apostle. This is the faith that Timothy would need as a co-worker, co-laborer in the gospel. Now, anybody can walk by faith. Everybody's supposed to walk by faith. And your your regular existing faith can do great things. Don't get me wrong about that. Your regular everyday faith, you just walking down the street and you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Your faith can do that. But he said, I'm, I'm imparting a spiritual gift that I put in you. He said, you have to stir that up. How do you stir up that faith? It's by making use of it. It's by making use of it. This is not by you uh, doing some, some uh, spiritual calisthenics. This is you making use. Get out there and using your faith. Out there, use it all the time. He says, so stir that up. That came from me. Now, for God has not given you the spirit of fear. Now, now let me let me let me let me say this too. I, sh- I should have gave you this before, because in Second Timothy five, of chapter one verse five, rather, he said, "This genuine faith is in you also. This faith is in you also." Now, Paul had seen Timothy obtain and overcome by faith. Remember, he said, "I'm persuaded is in you also." What, was, what had persuaded Paul that this faith was in Timothy also? I want you to pull up, me to do it from a Hebrews 12, verse, I'm verse, oh sorry, Hebrews 13, verse 23 in the easy-to-read version. Hebrews 13, 23 in the easy-to-read version. Watch what it says here. Glory to God. Hebrews 13, 23 in the easy-to-read. You got it? All right. This is Paul talking. I want you to know that our brother Timothy is out of prison. Some of y'all, you'll get this by tomorrow if you move a little slow. I want you to know that our brother Timothy is out of prison. He said, I'm persuaded this faith is in you also. Here's here's the thing about it. Timothy's out of prison. Which meant that Timothy, because of his faith, was persecuted and willing to go to prison and did not quit the ministry, did not quit walking with God because he didn't have hypocritical faith. He said, I'm persuaded this genuine faith is in you also. Why? Because I watched you go to prison for it and you're still doing it. I watch you go through the fire. I watch you go through the test. I watch you go through the storm, and you're still preaching the gospel, Timothy. That's genuine faith. See? Listen, when people watch you go through something and not quit, they can then determine and see genuine faith. Faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. How many of y'all have had your faith tested? And you're still here. Still preaching the gospel. Still speaking the word. Still walking with God. Still loving people. Still serving God with all your might. Genuine faith. And Paul said, I saw that in your grandmama. I saw that in your mama. And I see it in you. It's a generational faith. That means Timothy had watched his mama go through some stuff. Might have watched mama asking dad, hey, he just needs some school clothes. <laughs> <laughs> he wants want some sneakers. Girl, we ain't got no money for that. <laughs> the next thing you know, he got sneakers in the closet. Mama, how I got the sneakers? I thought daddy said no. Yeah, but I went to your other daddy. (laughs) Our father in heaven. Our father in heaven. Our father in heaven. (laughs) Paul imparted a spiritual gift. Again, verse 6. I remind you to serve the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul had imparted a spiritual gift. He had modeled special faith to Timothy and Paul said stir it up which simply means use it. Use it. Use it. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Thank God for what you learned from mom or dad or whoever it was that, that modeled faith for you but there's more, and God will use spiritual fathers to impart and release something into you that, that that's right, you're, you're, the comic can only take you so far. That's, that's exactly the exact way to put it. That what you get, what you learn can take you so far. But there's a supernatural acceleration. Are you understanding that? Yes, There's a supernatural acceleration you get when something is imparted yes, to you. It's the same way. With, that's, that's how spiritual gifts work right. all together. You know you can believe God for your own healing? How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all have done that? I, I, can, I can believe God for my own healing. I can walk it out, Father. I just thank you that I'm healed. The pain's there. And I believe I'm healed. I believe I received my healing. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed, and since I was healed, I am healed. And you can walk out of it every day. It might take you six months, might take you a year, whatever, to manifest it. But God can send somebody along with a spiritual gift, gifts of healings, and they lay hands on you, and boom! What would take you six months, a year, two years to walk out when they lay hands on you? Something's releasing to you. You're healed instantly. You're healed instantly. You see? Same thing has happened. I've watched it happen in finances. My wife and I were walking out, you know, trying to get out of debt and walking out, you know, trying to come out of poverty. We were, you know, poor and broke. Poor and broke and in debt. Busted, disgusted. Can't be trusted. Well, we could be trusted. Broke, busted, and disgusted. Well, we were walking out, got, our, got my little budget, boom, 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 but all of a sudden, something is imparted and released that, boom, accelerates that. It, work, it works in every area of your life. You can walk out, you can walk out, you know, having a baby. Y'all got quiet. You can walk out having a baby. We're going to do all a little, you know, we're going to schedule everything and, you know, make sure we got the clock set right and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can walk it out or you can have something released into you. Am I right about it? it? See, this that's how it works. But what must happen is this faith, however you work at it, must constantly be articulated and demonstrated and passed to the next generation so that we don't lose a generation to the world. We don't lose a generation to idolatry and immorality that would make you blush. But we it's our responsibility to tell it. Teach them from the time they can. They can talk. Don't wait until they're seventeen to start trying to teach them. When they three, when they two years old, and they can first learn learn to say say a sound. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Just start them right out there with that. Now, that, this might seem elementary, but I'm just telling you. We have a responsibility to do so. And, the, and, and, and the model, to model faith for the world today. Amen. That's all the time I have. Come on, give God a praise for the word of God tonight. Faith needs to be passed on. Talked about, walked about. That's right. That's what the Bible says. That's right, Pastor Kim. That's that's exactly why God trusted and blessed Abraham because he knew he would teach his children. Because he knew he would teach his children. God knew ahead of time. Abraham was going to teach this to his children. That's why I can trust him. That's why I can bless him. (laughs) So if you want, want to see God trust you and bless you abundantly, Teach your children. Make sure they know walking his way. Well, that, that old Hamanaka, oh, old now, I can't, it might be too late. Tell you what you do model it. Start modeling it. Even if they're 30 years old, modeling it. We yeah, repent for what not, not done it before, but start modeling it. And every time testimony comes through, make sure they know. Hey, child, I'm just calling at you, know, I pray for something. Lord, open the door. The Lord made a way. The Lord provided for it. I was sick and the Lord. healed my body. See, make sure they know that. Make sure they hear that. Make sure they hear that. So you differentiate your God from all them other false gods that's out there trying to teach them. Amen? Y'all receive that tonight? Give God another hand of praise tonight. Now, Lord, tonight I thank you and I praise you for the word that we have received. Thank you, Father, that Lord, uh, you have given us your word. You are the perfect model of faith, the perfect example of faith. You use your faith when you sent Jesus Christ to come into this world. You sowed a seed, you let him down the cross, and you let him go even in, into hell for us. You raised him again in faith that we would believe in him and come and be joined to you, our Father. Thank you that, God, your faith has been justified in us tonight. God, as you've shown us and demonstrated faith, your word, Jesus told us to have faith in God, to have the God kind of faith. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to, to live and walk out genuine faith all the time, that we articulate and demonstrate to our children and the other generations, to all, all those behind us, what real faith looks like, that we're not hypocrites in our faith, that we, we have sincere faith, that our faith doesn't waver, but our faith is set on you and in you. We look to you as our source. Lord, real faith, Lord, doesn't look to the government, doesn't look to jobs, doesn't look to man. We don't put our trust in men. We don't put our trust in princes. We put our trust in you, the living God, and we watch you and see you manifest miracle after miracle. Wonder after wonder, manifestation after manifestation in our lives. And God, as you do these things, we'll always give you glory and give you honor. Not take credit. Not hold back the glory from you. Not hold back the praise for you, Lord, because if it's not for you, Lord, helping us, we're totally lost. We have nothing. So, Lord, we pray that our children, according to Isaiah 54, verse 13 that our children will be taught by you and that they will experience great peace, prosperity, wholeness, joy, long life, all the days of their lives. And that, Father, that it can be said about us that unfeigned, sincere, genuine faith was, has been in us and our children and our children's children for generations to come Until Jesus returns for the church. We ask these things, we trust you to bring them to pass in our lives, so we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, amen Amen. and amen. Praise the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Thank you.